Welcome to the New Life Podcast on the Stream Grace Network. Well, hello, hello, hello out there in podcast land and welcome to the next edition of the New Life Podcast. We are so glad that you have chosen to uh, join us today and uh, just want to uh, let you know that you are listening to the Stream Grace Network and we have all kinds of podcasts available for you at streamgrace.com. Make yourselves available, availed of those. They are available for you. And this podcast is of course proudly sponsored by New Life Church and we are actually recording today live right here at church so come on everybody greet everybody who's listening today so glad that you guys are with us today is also July the 4th so happy Independence Day everybody and uh, that is a a great day and uh, I am just honored that we are all together to celebrate our great nation but the day gets better than that folks because today, my guest is my friend, my buddy and partner in ministry and uh, in a lot of other things, Mr. Jeremy Griffin. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm good. Thank you. I'm glad you're good. <laughs> you know, today is a great day for those of you that don't know. Today, everybody, is Jeremy's birthday. Today, he's 21. <laughs> 21. He's still younger than my dad, who's forever 27. Right. So, no, man, happy birthday, buddy. Thank you. You knew I was going to throw that out there. Uh, there. Yeah, I guess maybe that might be the case. <laughs> so I just thought, man, hey, on this day, which is, uh, of course, 4th of July, mm -hmm. so we can talk about that for a little bit. I know you and I are very, we love America very much. But, um, of course, this series here at New Life is called My Stories. Yeah. And so um, I just thought it'd be cool if we spent some time and let everybody get to know you better. They see you. Yeah, on stage and and uh, but they may not know you. Well, so what you see is what you get. Well, <laughs> I think I think there's a little more to it than that. So well, how it about all started we, 45 years ago? How uh, 45? You're just jumping right to 45. Well, that's just the reality of it all. <laughs> we'll talk so. about your life, man. Where are you from? Kind of give everybody a little background into the life of the Grifster. Our, well, yes, I am the Grifster. Um, <laughs> Apparently. Uh, no, so uh, yeah, uh, I was born here in Oklahoma City and was lived here until I was about, uh, well, and more actually for most of my uh, childhood uh, at the age of 11 or 12, I don't remember which, uh, my, my stepdad who adopted me, so he's my dad, it's a long story, but we'll probably talk about it because you know, mm -hmm. it's my stories. Um, he uh, got a job, we moved to Pennsylvania uh, lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for two or three years. Um, and then we moved back to South Oklahoma City. Uh, and I've uh, been here ever since I went, went to Choctaw High School, graduated there, uh, met Lori on the bus to school, my wife. Um, she lived across the street from me, so kind of the girl next door. And Wow, okay. So she lived across the street, but it took a school bus to connect yeah, you guys. Yeah, actually, yeah, it was kind of <laughs> weird because I saw her one day. I was playing in the street. We lived in like kind of this U-shaped cul-de-sac type thing. So it's kind of a pass through, but there's only like six houses on my little part and, uh, had some friends over. We, we were outside in the street kicking a soccer ball or something. I don't know. And I see her talking on the phone in her garage and that must've been a really long cord. It was cordless. Was it still? Oh, it you, was not okay. cell phone, it's but, not it was cell phone but it was a cordless phone. phone. Yes. So, okay. So we're not, you're not that old. 
No, I mean, I'm that old. But but yeah, so she's talking on a cordless phone. It's not a party line. It's just a regular. Um, And and I see her and I I was uh, instantly smitten. Um, But but I had never seen her before. And so I assumed she was in college or something older than me. And uh, so it was the next school year that she was on the bus. I didn't see her before because she was in junior high and I was in high school. So... um, we were just, I was just a grade in front of her. She's only three months younger than me, three or four months younger, but, you know, summer birthdays and such. So, uh, yeah, so we met uh, on the school bus, and I began to, you mm-hmm. know, romance her y- with my did. personality. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But here's the strange thing. So I, I mentioned Pennsylvania. One of the reasons that was so key is that prior to me leaving to go to Pennsylvania, and, and I had met Jesus when I came back, but... Um, mm-hmm. Prior to that, um, I was incredibly shy, right? So You? Very much so, yeah. So if I went to a restaurant, even at like the age of 10 or 11, uh, if a waiter asked me what I wanted, it would really give me massive anxiety. I didn't want to talk, so my parents always ordered, my mom always ordered for me, and yeah, incredibly, incredibly shy. And I didn't like who I was um, growing up, so I had this moment, which I now absolutely know is the Holy Spirit, but on the way... I was in the back of a 1989 black Jeep Cherokee because mm-hmm. in those days you could lay in the back yes. on long yeah. trips, which was great. Yeah. I remember laying up, up on top. On the, yes. Yeah. You know, you could bake up there because yeah, it, it got so great, hot man. by the window, you know? It was great until, until it wasn't. Until it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> how and did we, how did we survive childhood? I, you know I, what? It happened. I mean, so, seriously, like you saying. got seatbelt kids, seatbelt, you know, know, it's just crazy. Yeah, on the way up, I just decided, like, in my guts, I'm like, I want to be someone different. I want to stand up for myself. And, I mean, I was picked on a lot. and Yeah. Um, only by my friends, which is weird. <laughs> but anyway, um, so, yeah, I just totally changed who I was. And, and I really believe now is the Holy Spirit, you know, God operates outside of time. So regardless right. of my relationship with him, he was working on me back before that. And uh, he just made these profound adjustments in my life. Cool. So, um I know a little bit of your story, so let's just jump to um, the dad issues. Yeah. Let's start there. Talk about you have a unique. Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of weird. Yeah. My family, uh, we'll call it a broken family that was never not broken. <laughs> so my mom, um, my I never met my dad. I didn't know the truth about who my dad was until I was twenty. Um, the first guy my mom married had the same first name as my biological dad. And so she just kind of let that live for a while. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have much of a memory of, of that guy. Tom is his name. I didn't have much of a memory of him, but I had enough of one. Um, and so uh, they got divorced probably when I was like under three for sure. Um, and so she, she was with a couple guys up until I was uh, six years old and she got pregnant and had to give that baby up for adoption. Yeah. She's a single mom. And so that was kind of weird from, I was six, you know, so I knew my mom was pregnant and we talked about the baby and then I never saw the baby. You know, she went to the hospital and delivered and then didn't, uh, didn't ever see her after that. But she ended up getting married to Paul Griffin, who, who adopted me and where I get my last name, um, about three months after, three or four months after having the baby. So, uh, I remember, you know, they were married until I was 16. I remember growing up, like, every April, we'd celebrate my sister's birthday. And um, 
So you knew you, know, you knew you had a sister somewhere. Knew I had a sister. In fact, when I started leading worship, like I used to do youth camps and stuff. Well, you know that. Yeah, that's where we hung out. For that's where time. we hung out. That's <laughs> where we actually kind of connected. Yeah. So I remember I would always think when I'd go to youth camps, I was like, hey, my sister <laughs> could be out there, you know. But um, but it was crazy, the, the crazy date of this. So um, my... Now listen, I'm yeah. sorry. We're going to push into that because well, I know that's an emotional Because you thing want me for, to cry or what? <laughs> dude, I mean, that's, that's a foregone conclusion. Listen, so. it's the New Life Podcast. We've right. got to keep the crying thing going. It's <laughs> happened every time so far. Um, yeah. But no, I want you to speak into that just from you had started getting involved in ministry yeah, um, and you were doing youth camps with, with us. Uh-huh. Um, but talk about from a minister's side, um, what that was like to, to have it in your mind that my sister could be out there. I have no well, idea. It was weird because man, like it was one of those things in the midst of all of what was happening. Cause it's a very busy time. You've got, you know, I was part of those committees. So we're all just always doing stuff, but there will be a moment in the second or third song of a worship set. Yeah. And it would just hit me. Yeah. And I would just wonder, um, it was, it was weird because it, nothing triggered it other than just it coming to mind. And, um, but there was this yeah. longing. Oh gosh. Yeah. To connect with oh, someone. Totally. Well, and, and here's a crazy thing. Cause we did connect and this is a really crazy story. So my, my mom had a, a company that we started together, um, when I was like 20 or so. Yeah. And 19 and Lori worked there. And anyway, um, that company after 12 years went defunct. And, and so my mom kind of lost pretty much everything she had. So we invited her to live with us. And that was a hard decision because, I mean, that's just always hard anyway, like for my wife more than anything, yeah. uh, you know, mother-in-law thing. And my mom, you know, I was her life. So the focus was always on me, which I didn't even feel was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, growing up, I was like, this is not right. Um, and so it's just kind of a, it was a God thing for us to do that. Well, within two months, uh, <laughs> come on, reliving this. <clears throat> so about two months after she started living with, or she came to live with us, she was at the store and I get this call. It was August 8th of 2008. So it was eight, eight, eight. Yeah. Uh, the Olympics started that day too. I remember that. I get this call from a girl named Jennifer and she said, asked who it was. <laughs> if I was who I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, <clears throat> my friend's been trying to find her mom and her brother. And, uh, and I think you're it. Would you like to meet her? <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know, I was crazy, but my mom was gone. And I thought, well, this is probably good. Cause like I can prep her. She just went to the store and, uh, she comes back from the store and, and my sister's name is Marla and she was going to call in like 15 minutes. So my mom <laughs> comes in and I got to tell her, you know, set her down on the bed and said, hey, your daughter's about to call us and you're going to meet her for the first time. Second time, I guess. <laughs> and so there it was. Five minutes later, uh, my sister called and we started talking and entered into a relationship. And she she was in, uh, lived on Long Island in New York, was raised there, um, and so we met her through the phone that, that was August and October, my wife and I went to New York city to see her. And, um, 
Uh, in fact, I started working for the Thunder that same year. That's when they came to town. And so I missed literally the first game of the Thunder because mm-hmm. I was in uh, um, New York. I my think sister. you made the better choice. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So what was that meeting like when you met her? I mean, as soon as you saw her, did you? Oh, yeah. It's so weird. I describe this to people because it's the strangest emotion. Um, I grew up an only child, right? So all the way, I mean, this was 2008. I don't remember how old I was, but 30 something. I could do the math, but I'm bad at math. So... Um, just that whole time, I always describe it as like, you have parts in your body, you know, we got organs. It's like having a gear inside your body that starts turning for the first time. And I remember talking to my wife, she has a brother. And so I'm like asking her all these sibling questions. I thought I got it cause I had three kids, you know, mm-hmm. um, actually two kids at the time. We didn't have Jake yet. And, uh, but I didn't get it. And so I'm like having these emotions. It's really weird. Cause she was, I guess I was 30 cause she was 26. Um, and, or 32. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I, I'm experiencing these emotions for the first time and it's uncomfortable too because I think if it were a brother, it'd be easier. But I was confused because I, I knew I loved this girl. <laughs> and I was like, this is weird. You know, I didn't understand that. And um, that thank God that didn't last long. I was trying to work out, you know, that those emotions. Um, and so we talked on the phone a lot, got to know each other. It was weird for both of us because neither one of us had a choice in the matter, right? So uh, she, she then, uh, she has a great relationship with my mom. Um, she calls her mom, like it's a great relationship. Um, but I brought my mom up to see her, I don't know, a few months later. It was in the next year. Um, so I got to be there for that reunion too, which was good. But, so, but once you guys met, once you got connected, it was, it was like, this is right. This yeah. Is yeah. And, and now we're just like any other brother and sister. We talk about once a year <laughs> text every once in a while, you yeah. know? Um, but you know, it's been a while now, but it's, um, it's good. It's a really, it's weird. So when people say, do you have any brothers and sisters? I always say, yes, I have a sister. And then later on I'll say something about being an only child yeah. and they're super confused. Right. I'm like, well, I'm confused too. But every time, I mean, I've heard that story several times and, um, Every time I do, I keep going back to, I correlate the story of the longing in your heart for your sister, always this kind of miss that kept coming up. And then when you heard her voice, things start churning, then you see her, it's like, yes, this is the person. That is exactly how it is with a father for us. I mean, it's like there's that hole inside of us. We're all longing for something to complete us. We don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then when we do meet him through Christ, it's like, this is what I've been looking for. It makes sense, right? I used to describe it as new but familiar. And that's a really, if you stop and think about that term, it's new, but it's familiar. And, and you know, Honestly, it's it's natural is the right word, right? So our relationship with the Father is very uh, natural. It's how we were designed. So that's why so many people experience a peace. I mean, He brings that, but right. but that's our natural state, right? And so when we get into that relationship, all of a sudden you're like, wow. It's like when you when you are unhealthy and you get healthy and you didn't realize how much you hurt until you get healthy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like, man, totally, I just feel good now. How I, did you I imagine? How did your mom, I mean, what, what was, do you know what her uh, expression was or experience was with meeting her daughter? I mean, obviously you said they've got a great relationship. Yeah. I mean, it was, as you would expect, I mean, it was fear, a lot of fear and, and, um, uh, trepidation in, in that, but my sister was very gracious in that connectivity. Uh, she's, um, 
she's a pretty direct person, so she's going to have a good, like, she's going to ask you direct questions that they're not, it's not emotionally charged. Yeah. And so I think that helped my mom quite a bit um, because, you know, it was very direct, you know, I don't, it, explaining their emotions. I mean, of course, I wasn't privy to all their conversations, sure. but um, but I think it's it, it was good. And she she's in the same boat as me. She doesn't know her or has never met her dad either. So Isn't that interesting? Yeah, we've had lots of conversations about that. Well, man, I think it's great that you connected with your sister. I know she's in, she's more important to you than just once a year, though. Well, she is. <laughs> I know yeah. that. We, 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 she's going to be on my podcast. She was scheduled last week. Uh, or two weeks ago, and it fell through because. Now listen, you got to make sure I get that day because I want to be around for that one. Well, she's not going to be physically here. I know she lives what I mean. On, on the phone, but I want to <laughs> yeah, be around yeah. for that one. Well, you can. That'll be a cool, cool one to be. With. So, um, let's let's talk about some other aspects of your life. You already dropped the thunder. You know, I always build you up, and you get <laughs> on to me all the time. Don't yeah. don't do all that. And right like, place, right time. But man. come on, man. So talk about how you got involved in um, the sports area because you it was yeah. more than just the thunder. It's for you. weird. You know, it's one of those, okay. So I started in ministry when I was nineteen. I went to work at uh, Bethel Church in Choctaw as their worship pastor, and and so uh, prior to that, I really knew I was called to to do music ministry, and so I, I started going to this store that was working with Choctaw High School. It's how I was introduced to him. Is Norman Music down in Norman, yeah. and and I met a guy there named Tad Weimer, and Tad was so gracious to me because you know Tad. I yeah. So I I would go when I'd go down there, I would take like two hours of his time asking question after question, and I I would tell him I don't have any money to buy anything, <laughs> but yeah. he would never he would give me all the time you know, that I, that I needed, so to speak. And so when I went to work at a church, I'm like, I'm going to make sure that we buy stuff from there because, you know, of all the time he invested in me. So anyway, that's kind of how that relationship started. And then, uh, was he connected to Jeremy already? At, I mean, to Jerry, Jerry already. Yeah. At this in point? fact, that's the, that's the thing I was about to tell you. So the, our youth group was going to have a band come and play. And so the youth pastor asked me if I knew of anybody and I asked Tad, well, Tad had a band with Jerry Hooper. Really? Yeah. I did not know Jerry was in it. He's a band. drummer. He's a great drummer. Really? Yep. And he, uh, they were called the Holy Hand Grenades. Oh my goodness. Okay. For those of you that don't recognize it, <laughs> that is a takeoff from Monty Python. Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. One of the greatest movies yeah. of all time to watch when it's two o'clock in the morning and you're just deliriously silly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, they had a whole band. I don't remember everybody else in the band, but Jerry was the drummer. Tab was the bass player, uh, I think. Um, anyway, so that's where I met Jerry and Tad. Well, few few years maybe i don't know sometime in that time frame they were professional sound guys right so they were they did sound for festivals and events uh, as well as broadcast stuff and so one day i get a call from tad saying hey can you come help us run sound we just need a warm body out here in guthrie and i said um i guess yeah so it's the guthrie bluegrass festival it was my first event and I was setting up microphones and taking them down on the stage. And that's where I met Vince Gill and <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. name drop. Exactly. That's my point. Like I wasn't ready for that. Right. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and there were big names, you know, Vince Gill was probably the biggest name, um, at that event. But like, if you know, bluegrass, it was a huge, huge, uh, venue. It's like the one, I guess. So anyway, um, I kind of started that. Well, the second day of that festival, they needed somebody to go down to the survivor tree in Oklahoma city and set up for a news broadcast. And none of those guys could go. So they said, Jeremy, can you go now? You have to understand. I didn't know how to do any of this. Yeah. Like nothing. You're just thrown into it. And I said, I don't 
know how to do it. Oh, it's easy. That's the mantra from those guys forever. And that's been adapted by people in my life now. Oh, you'll, you'll figure, figure it, out. it out. Yeah. <laughs> that's our favorite line. Gosh, I hate it. Too. I know, but we love it. Cause you know what you do? You figure, figure it, it out. out. And you know what makes me mad every time when I figure it out, I'm upset because you guys <laughs> are right. right. <laughs> but anyway, so, so I went to the survivor tree and, and set up for this press conference, which was a whole nother world. And, uh, so I was absolutely thrown into it. So as a result, I started working with them more on the regular and, and we ran sound. Lori started running sound with me as well. So she, she went with me to, we did some festivals in Salina, Kansas and, and really got to work with some great obscure artists there. They, uh, several Grammy award winners, we ran sound for them, but again, Grammys and polka, you yeah. know, things like that. Weird, weird stuff. Uh, I don't, I Seriously, yeah. the Grammy and Polka, that guy was amazing, was he not? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, you're like, I think I like polka music. <laughs> I had no idea, but that was pretty crazy. Um, and then, then the Philharmonic. We started, got a contract to record the Oklahoma City Philharmonic for about six seasons. And I, I, it, was a, it was cool. We set up, you know, and got to, again, work, run sound with, with big artists that would come in like Roberta Flack and, and okay. Camille about August. that time I got connected with Jeremy and Tad. Jerry, so I'm Jeremy I'm with Jerry and Tad. <laughs> Were you running sound? Cause I was backstage helping with chords. No, when you Doc took my Severson. place. I took your place you that took night. My place. Dude, that was really cool. Yeah. You got to, man, I got to Doc. hang out with Doc Severson. That, that was, that was pretty wild. Well, the same kind of thing happened when I got into the sports broadcasting because, um, I was, sitting at home the uh, New Orleans Pelicans were playing here because of Katrina and Tad called me and said you want to come do a basketball game and I said no <laughs> I didn't care much for it I'd gone before and I'm like eh yeah and he said what if we pay you and I went well <laughs> and so he, he said well the sound guy didn't show up for the arena and we need someone to run sound <laughs> for, really for the Ford Center at the <laughs> yeah, time the Ford Center at the time. and I'm sitting here thinking to myself and I got the call like you call yeah. what first off the dude just doesn't show up you know there's 18,000 people in this arena so I, I so I my response though when he said that was I said like the whole arena I <laughs> <laughs> you know, was kind of voice cracked and and he's like yeah I said I can't do that and he goes ah oh, you can do it <laughs> you'll figure it out <laughs> exactly so so this is about three o'clock tip off is at seven three o'clock and I said so what time uh in in the in this industry you have a call time right yeah so I said, what time is the call? And he said, uh, noon. And it was three. <laughs> oh. And I was like, uh, and he goes, no, nah, if you can just make it here by six, it'll probably be okay. I'm like, no, I'm leaving now. <laughs> so got in the car and went down there and ran sound very, it, in fact, today I can honestly say it was the most complicated um, sound event I've ever ran. Not because I didn't know what was going on. Even today, knowing what I know would still be the hardest one I've ever done. They, it was so, so complex. And uh you had to, they used microphones that they used to present to everybody to talk to each other when they weren't presenting. So I had to know when those things were happening. It was very, very odd. So anyway, uh, that was my first event there. And then Cox Communications had the crewing uh, contract for the building. So they made sure these different positions were filled. And after that, they started calling me to do stuff. So my, my first official uh, event there was the Big 12 uh, men's tournament where Kevin Durant and um, Blake Griffin were playing for Texas and OU, yeah. respectively. So you were there for that game. So I was there for that, and and then it was just weird, you know, as time went on, that Kevin Durant came to Oklahoma City as the Thunder player, and uh, of course now I hate him. <laughs> but we all pray in a, for in him in a very Christian loving way. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, so yeah, that, that's kind of how I started in that. So I always tell people, 
you know, I, one day I had to do a resume for an event, um, listing off like credentials. And I thought, well, this just sounds like I'm lying. Yeah. Cause it, and it is, it's right place, right time. If you run sound for the Philharmonic, then anybody who comes into the Philharmonic, uh, as a guest, you ran sound for them. You go to a festival, you ran sound for them. So it's, um, it's not what it, it's not like I traveled on the road with these right. guys, you know? Um, but yeah, so then I, from there I started working, uh, at every event. So I, I ran sound for the, the Oilers and the Blazers. Um, mm -hmm. Oilers, is that what they were called? Yep. <laughs> uh, the Red Hawks, um, the State Fair, a lot of horse shows. Ugh, those are very tiresome. But still, when we get to this point in your story, I think it's important for people to grab a concept or a principle that you, you know, we have a, a lady on our, on the Stream Grace Network. Uh, I love the title of her podcast, Pivot Points, mm -hmm. but that really is the key. We never know how much one segment, one second, one split second decision yeah. can open up an entire doorway to us. And I wonder sometimes if we get, if we get to a place that we're afraid to try new things, mm. so it never allows us to step into to new opportunities that God could bring our way because we just, we're not willing to do something new. Yeah, it's really, and that's, that's real, man. Like I, I told God a long time ago, it's like, you know, I, I don't know that I hear you perfectly, but I know this. I'm never going to tell you no. Yeah. And so when a thing would come up, I just like, yep. <laughs> you know, even if I didn't feel 100% comfortable in my own strength with it, you know. Now, it's not to say there weren't things I said no to because I felt him telling me that. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's weird. And, of course, this whole time I work full-time in ministry right. as well. So these are just extra things that I would do. Um, and there was a period of time where it was my full-time job for like a year, year and a half while I was on a sabbatical. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then that's when I went to work with uh, iHeartRadio. But one, one connection when you were 19, yeah, where you had no money to spend and a guy gave you that's some right. time yep. later on in your life was the hinge. Um, one of the phrases that I operate with in my life is that the doors of opportunity swing on the hinges of relationships. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what one relationship 10, 15 years prior yeah. was the key to an entire area in your life. And then now when we look at what you're doing and, and a lot of us, me included, get to help uh, be a part of that. I mean, you're bringing all of the stuff you've learned for the yeah. last 21 years. Uh, you're bringing <laughs> all those to bear to uh, create a, a, a podcast network and and now you're helping us here at New Life. I mean, I think it's amazing how one key event, one person, right. and then you being willing to say yes to an opportunity mm -hmm. really set up your life. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when I stop and think about it because you're like right now, I don't do any of those things. I still consult for the Thunder, but... Um, which is still just cool. Well, I mean, when you called me the other day, said, oh, I got to go have a meeting with the Thunder. It was just like no big deal. And I'm like, dude, really? Well, it is I'll no big deal. Back. I married the, the the producer and I mean, I'm friends with these guys. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't marry him. I you were, married You them. were the official. <laughs> I was the official. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to let it slide, but you decided yeah. to try to explain it. Yeah. But it's, but it's not just you. I mean, I want everybody to understand this. Um, another gift in your life is you love helping people um, dig out their potential and give yeah. them an opportunity to succeed. I mean, you did that with your own wife yeah. because you were at an event and you needed somebody to help run sound at another place. And yeah. who did you throw into the fire? Oh, yeah. Your wife. Well, and it wasn't until we had Jake that she basically retired. But it was funny because we, we got in this place where, yeah, I mean, it was when you're 
there was a perfect storm, right? So you had thunder in the playoffs. You had the, um, the Red Hawks. No, were they, they the were Red opening. Hawks? It was they the opening, opening day. Um, and then you had the the uh, Blazers, Oilers, Oilers, yeah. Um, were were in the playoffs, and there was a game at all three places the same night. <laughs> and it was my I was just starting with the Red Hawks, and it was opening night at the Red Hawks, and so. The, you know, I told the Thunder, because at that point I was kind of doing it full time, and I told them, uh, I said, guys, I just can't be here. Now, I had backups trained there already, and and, the, and so he's like, well, what do we need to do to get you here? And I said, nothing, man. And he <laughs> said, what if we tripled your pay? And I said, uh, well, I, it was cool, but I said, honestly, John, because his name was John, I said. What a great name. It, it's all right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said, I said, John, tripling my pay for the potential of playing, of doing what, six games versus losing a whole season with a team. Right. That I'm, I said, if it jeopardizes my job, I understand, but I've committed to these guys. And I told you, you know, I told them going into it, I'm doing this. And so um, it ended up, the Red Hawks were super cool. Uh, they heard my conversation because I was literally on, in the press box doing something when the call came. And so the producer there said, hey, man, you can go. And my backup that I'd been training for that did opening day. So they were really cool, and I got to do what I needed to do there. But then Lori, uh, actually, she was done by the, by that perfect storm. But I had them doing, because we trained people at the church that I was working at at the time. So I had three or four different people when graduations would happen at the uh, Cox Convention Center. They were doing graduations and sending people through that pipeline. But but my backup, Ryan Plunkett, is who I trained, and, and um, he is he's now the, the director of operations for High Five Media. And uh, I loved investing in that guy because he really bought in, you know. And I don't want to waste time, right? I, a lot of people would come to me, and I had this today, hey, can you get me into this? And I'm like, yeah, probably, but are you going to stay committed? Right. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons that I worked with the Thunder so consistently was I followed through. Yeah. <laughs> I had character. So many of these other people just go to the highest bidder. I mean, like I said, even even mm -hmm. with that Red Hawks conversation, you know, right. it didn't matter that they were going to triple my pay because I'd already committed right. somewhere else. So I think that for me, finding people who, who have that character is a big deal because I'm going to invest time. I did it with my own son. You know, when Gabe was 14, he started playing drums and he really wanted to get into to worship uh, in the band. And I said, look, I'm going to surround you with a lot of talented people who are going to sow into you. And I said, so when I do that, I said, you got to commit to me. I want you to your 24 years old. <laughs> and I made a verbal contract yeah. with him. I released him of that contract a couple well, that was... years ago. So he's not here under duress. That's good. He's here of his own choosing but um but i think that's a big deal character's everything i i, I mean it's everything yeah if you you know let your sbs your no be no if you say Gee, you're that sounds like a it. scripture yeah i think it is i think it's in that bible somewhere yep. you know <laughs> um commitment it's fourth of july it's independence day and if there's one thing i know about you besides the fact that you are really good at a whole lot of things i mean like like i know people that are you know good at some things and masters of none and yet it's like you're not satisfied until you master something, you know. You, you just keep figuring things out until you know everything about it. But one of the things that I have come to appreciate about you personally is that you are a person of conviction and commitment. Um, and we talk all the time about how much we love this country, how frustrated we are at what's going on in this country right now. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I know there's a lot of us praying, you know, that God would do a revival or some kind of, that God would move in our country. Um, what do you think? I mean, because, you wow. know, we're experts. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think in your lifetime do you see as missing in the people of our country? Is it commitment? Is it conviction? Is it committed to God? It's God. That's, that's your answer. That's what Absol- you're going with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on, dive into it. Listen, there is no doubt when you listen to people talk objectively, right? You get, you take your filters off and you listen to them. They are, they're speaking nonsense. Yeah. I mean, it's nonsense. You're listening to them going, did you make a sentence? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know those are English words, but putting them together, it means nothing. <laughs> right. And, and it just, it's, it's shocking, but we live in a world that is completely fallen. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And I don't mean to be a doomsday guy, but here's what I find interesting about biblical prophecy in general, yeah, is that um, we teach this idea of biblical prophecy that the world is, we teach that the world is going to turn into Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And that's when the Lord returns. Mm-hmm. But yet we fight against that to try to, like, like we have any hope of changing that. Right. If that's prophecy and we believe that God's going to come back in that moment. He's not making that happen. He's going, nope, I know what's going to happen. Right. Look at these people. If that's what's really going on, it's weird to me that we make all these efforts. And I'm not talking about voting. I'm just saying like, we're surprised. I mean, I look up and go, well, of course this right. is happening. So what do we do in that? Well, we are light. We are salt. Mm-hmm. We don't, if there was ever a time to truly truly just love the world, not what the world does, but the people of the world love them. Right. This is the time. Instead, we get mad at them. Yeah. Of course they're morons. <laughs> Why are they're you surprised? Lost. Yes. And but I don't, when we show them Jesus right. and say, man, I, look, I don't, there's a guy that I've worked with at Thunder for years. He's an atheist, right? I've been trying to get him on a podcast forever. He's the DJ there. And he would sit there and he goes, hey, Jeremy. Hey, he talks like Beetlejuice for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> he, he's like, so why is, why is churches just want your money? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, churches don't just want your money. Yeah, they do. Do you go to church? No. All right. How do you know? Then you don't know. <laughs> I said, look, I can't speak for everybody. But I mean, the thing is, this is a guy I've known for a long time, and he's in relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was the, the average, you know, Christian, I'd be like, ah, oh, I want nothing to do with this guy. Right. Well, no, I want him to know Jesus. And I know that I can't walk up there and go, do you know Jesus? I want to introduce you to Jesus. He doesn't want to know Jesus. But when he sees my life, Right. When he sees me love him in spite of him mocking me, mm-hmm. that makes an impact. I, and I talked about this a while back. Impact is we can try really hard to make impact or we can just make impact. Exactly. Right? We just have it by being who God has created us to be. He put us in this situation. Why do we think we got to amp ourselves up right. well, to I be think, effective? I think the reason why we think we've got to amp ourselves up is because, again, this is stuff um, I'm admitting to stuff. You and I talk about this all the time. I'm admitting to stuff that we would, we never say it this way from a platform, but man, it's just conveyed in in the totality of how we present Christianity. We present it like, well, I've got to be a stronger light. I've got to get more of God. I've got to be better here and better there. And we have completely missed the understanding that when you accept Christ, all of him is in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You don't need to amp up your life. You don't got to be super spiritual. You don't got to be someone who does incredible miracles on the street to be a valid light of God in this world. You just got to be you. And here's 
here's the cool thing. For those that are listening and you feel like your life is like on 20% dim, the darker the world gets, the brighter you get just by default. That's right. Just be you committed to Christ and let the light of God shine in your life. Let me tell you why people don't have the success. I'm amped up. You are. are. (laughs) This is why people struggle and don't have success. It's incredibly simple because they're trying to be something they're not. Yes. When you are John Yule Jr., you could try to be like Jeremy, but guess what? The world's got enough of those. (laughs) <laughs> and you will never be as good of a Jeremy as I'm I'll never be. be as good as you. And no. I will never be as good of a John Yule Jr. I as agree. You. There's no way. And God specifically created us and designed us to be who right. we are. So the minute we start trying to be someone else, we're not only doing a really crappy job of that. Right. We're not being us. And we're we not being authentic. Being, no. And, and the thing is, man, this is programmed into us. Be like this person, Nike. Be like Mike, right? right? I mean, it's, it's always about trying to emulate somebody else. If you're going to try to emulate anybody, emulate, emulate the Jesus. Son of God. Right. Make it really simple. And, and the thing is, that's that understanding. And this is what happened to me in that car before I ever met Jesus on the way to Pennsylvania. Be who you are designed to be. Right. And I found who I was designed to be is not... I am not afraid for I've been given a sound mind. I didn't know these passages. Right. I wa- I was being bullied. Remember that was my thing I was right. running from, right? I was I remember this moment. I had been on the bus for uh, when you move to Pennsylvania from Oklahoma, you learn that you have an accent until then you don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so they were calling me names and I I didn't know what I was going to, you know, I was like, "Well, this is my moment. What am I supposed to do here, right?" And I'm not condoning what happened but I'm just telling you guys what happened. So I had to stand up for myself. Now, I never, the only time I'd ever thrown a punch in my life were at my friends who were hitting on me. Punching you. And as soon as I hit them, I cried. Like I, <laughs> they were my friends and I hated that. You know, it was weird. Well, so then when you spanked your kids, it really meant, you really meant it when you said, this is going to hurt me. No, well, this is gonna hurt no you. I never said that to my kids. <laughs> oh, you never said that? No. No, I was like, well, you're, you're about to hurt. You're going to get, this is going to hurt you. I don't know. I mean, it might hurt my hand, but no, but, but I, this, this kid, he was the captain of the hockey team, which that was a thing, I guess. And, uh, we didn't have that in Oklahoma. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess that was like the football team. So, um, he was making fun of me and I asked the bus driver, I was like, well, I've got to do this. So I asked if I could get off, if, if I got off at his stop, would he wait for me? And he said, yes. And it was so movie like, it's the funniest thing. So I get off the bus, and this is the one thing, if you're, a, if you're a teenage boy growing up, you know that typically when the fight starts, you, you circle each other and you say, throw the first punch. Mm-hmm. Everyone just says, oh, come on, man. Come on, throw the first punch. And I, so I'd resolved in my mind, well, I'm not going to do that because that does not end up good for anybody. So I got off the bus. As soon as he turns around, I punched him twice in the face. <laughs> there was no conversation. There was no nothing. He turns around and goes, pow, pow. <laughs> now, I know I didn't punch him hard. It's not like he fell on the ground, you know, because I'm still kind of timid about it all. And he, he just takes off running, and they called me Oklahoma. And he, he took off running. He's like, what's your problem, Oklahoma? And I just remember that going off in the distance. <laughs> And so I get back on the bus and this is the movie. It's like the whole bus is cheering, you know, (laughs) but, but what happened is the legend of Jeremy Griffin grew in Pennsylvania. I never had another fight. So that's where it started. That's where it started. I I never had another fight. And I remember we were playing street hockey a couple years later and these guys came by in their car, grabbed our net and just took off down the road. And so, okay, we set it back up. 
they came around again and I took my stick and just whacked at the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, you I didn't start this, right? And this is my overall political view. Don't pick a fight with America. Right. We didn't start nothing. Right. But we will but finish But we will it. finish what you start. That's right. Anyway. Toby Keith wrote a song about yes. that, I think. So, so anyway, these guys, come. when I hit the car, of course, they slam on the brakes. They get out, and they're ready to throw down. And I'm like, all right. So I'm in rollerblades. That's not really a good way to are fight. You in, are, were you in short shorts, too? No. no. I was playing street <laughs> hockey. So they, they stopped the car. I start unlacing my thing. I'm like, all right, let's just do this because I've adopted this new mind. I'm not going to sit here and be put bullied, you know. And they got in the car and drove off. And then my friend comes over and tells me, like, dude, those were seniors. <laughs> and I didn't know. But, you know, in fairness, lots of Italians in uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I w- I'm German. And I was already at six foot. And they weren't. Yeah. So... There's probably a level of that. <laughs> I remember I was growing a lot of hair one time. I do this from time to time, yes, you doing do. it now. I, um, I was growing a lot of hair, and, and the church I was working at, Believer's Church in, in Bethany, mm-hmm. had a big mirror front. And I remember working late at night, and we had a lot of you know transients coming in, and I, I thought I'd get nervous, you know. And one day I caught my, my, my visage, to use a word, yes. uh, in the mirror, and I thought... I'm kind of scary I'm kinda looking. Scary. I scared myself. <laughs> you got all that hair, you're like, ooh, kind of stuttered, you know? So then I, you know, there it is. That may have been it. Well, I think that uh, two th- several things I want to hit in uh, as we wrap up is, um, again, we never know what relationships we're building right now, that are, how they're going to impact us in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think... I think if we're if we're honest, the older we get, the harder relationships become. Sure. Because we've got all these years of, of disappointments and burns and um, and so what we do is we build this insulated wall and we wind up just walling ourselves off from people. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me asking me to help introduce them to somebody else. And I'm like, that is just so backwards to me. Just go meet somebody. Yeah. You know? So when people come and they say, well, you know, Jeremy's hard to get to know. No, he's not. You just got to go talk to the guy. I, I mean, seriously, we've got to get out of our bubble and this insulation that the enemy especially wants the light to back up. Mm-hmm. Remember the old song when we were kids, hide it under a bushel, bushel nut? No. Right. <laughs> but I yeah. think a lot of us as Christians, yeah. we've allowed the world to hide us under things. Yeah whether it's oppression, hide us under fear with what's going on in, in our culture for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got it. And then, then we do it within the church by this idea that, well, you don't have to be, you don't have to do anything to accept Christ, but after you accept Christ, boy, you better live right. Or it's like, God's got this carrot in front of you. He's going to pull yeah. your salvation, your connection out of you. And that's just not true. Well, I think you're talking about, you know, one, I, it's still in my nature. Like I'm not comfortable in large groups of people. I know you're um, not because it's got to be. You are uncomfortable sometimes going to lunch with me because right. You know me. I talk to everybody, and, and, and a big part of it for <laughs> me is I I don't want anybody to feel left out. And when there's a group of twelve people, I feel a personal responsibility to make sure that everyone's connected, and right. that's just hard to do with twelve people. I used to tell Lori, my rule is if we go out as couples, it's us and two other couples max because you can kind of manage that. But, but Jordan Peterson said something way more concise and better than I've said it. Um, but I've been saying this concept for years and and it's really about trust. Right. And he, he talks about, you know, why should we trust people? There's no practical reason to trust people. I mean, we see 
the trust is violated all the time. And this is why relationships have gone underground, you know, because we have, we have fake relationships online, right? And this is why the world is, is just falling apart because no real relationships happen, relationships happen. And the way to have a good relationship is to be open, mm-hmm. vulnerable, honest, and just be real. Uh, when was the last time that happened online, right? right? So, so the thing is, the question that came up for him, he's, he's a author and a psychologist, I guess, and is how do I keep from getting hurt again? And he said, you don't. Right. That's the point. You don't. Lori and I have been hurt. You've been hurt. Who hasn't been hurt? Right. So we adopted this mentality that recognizes that we're going to get hurt again, but the relationship is worth the pain. Exactly. And that's the bottom line. You, you and I have grown to have a great relationship and, and it's impossible for me to not hurt you. It's going to happen somewhere somehow, probably not on purpose. I mean, I'm not going right. to hurt John and you're not going to mean to hurt me, but it's going to happen. But the relationship is worth the pain. And, and so what I'm going to do is communicate. Hey, right. the same thing I do with my wife. I mean, right. my goodness, uh, if, if husbands, if you don't do this, and I don't know, I shouldn't give marital advice, but but here's the thing. If something bothers me, I will tell her, hey, it hurt my feelings when you did this. I'm not crying in my soup, but it hurt my feelings. I'm just, I felt an emotion. It started off being anger and I realized it's not anger, it's hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you that. I know you didn't mean to. Maybe we can avoid calling me names next time. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. She doesn't call me names. Um, but I think when we do that in our regular relationships, I had a, uh, and I know we're over time, but I had this guy come up to me uh, one time I was doing a message with the youth pastor at a church and he was talking about how the disciples were idiots before the Holy Spirit. That was his term, right? right? And this guy comes up to me, very respected elder in the church, came up to me the next Sunday and he started tearing into me about me calling the disciples idiots. And I'm like, I didn't say that. Right. Jeff said it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> and I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking that. And I stopped him mid-sentence. I said, can I ask you a quick question? Do you love me? Because that's not what I'm getting here. Mm-hmm. If I made a mistake, you as an elder coming to correct me, and I say elder, I don't mean he was an elder. I just mean he was older than me. Yeah. said, so you coming to correct me, man, I feel like you want me to fail. I feel like all you're looking right. for is my shortcomings. Do you love me? Mm-hmm. What well, stopped him in his tracks? He started to tear up and he said, yes. I said, just tell me what you right. think that I did wrong. You don't have to yell at me. Right. And, and, and just communicating my emotion back to another person is so important. And we want to hide them. That's because we don't want to be vulnerable. Right. But when you're vulnerable, you, yes, you can be hurt. People can manipulate that. And even that intentional manipulation, it, it's okay. It doesn't matter because our ultimate support or uh, source and supply the only source and supply we have is the Father. Agreed. For everything, not just physical stuff, our emotional needs. If Lori is getting her emotional needs from me, right. she will be deficient. That's right. But if she's having her needs met by the Father, she will be overflowing. Right. And be able to be a blessing. Amen. Anyway. Well, here's the thing. When we're talking about being vulnerable, um, I think that for a lot of us, we're raised in a society where, especially if you're men, and you're vulnerable, that's a weakness. Mm. I mean, I know uh, my dad is a completely different minister today than he was when he started. And I remember, um, again, we never said it from the platform, but it was just kind of osmosis that ministers were never to show weakness. You, you know, you're the example, you know, and so there's this pressure that comes with ministry, which is why I think everybody is blown away when ministers actually mess up right. because they're guys and, w- and ladies, you know. But I love the fact that if we let Jesus be our model, you and I talk about this. Mm-hmm. 
What was the first thing he showed to the disciples? The scars of his hurt, Mm. the hurt that he endured. He didn't hide it. He put it out there. He said, touch me. Look at what you did to me, humanity. Mm -hmm. Touch me. And then let me touch you with, with my love. And I think if we'll be open and vulnerable, what we'll find is that the love of the Father is what we all need to be the best uh, Christians we can be, Christ followers, I mean, to be the best um, citizens in this amazing country that every other part of the world is dying to be a part of. Right. And we'll see what God wants to do with our life. Amen. Jeremy, I love you, dude. You're one of my best friends. (laughs) And I'm so glad that God brought us together and connected our lives. And I'm glad you were with us today on this edition of the New Life Podcast. Be a great light in your world today. We'll catch you next time. God bless.